TKNW Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980. I'm Maureen McGrath. I am your host. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a blogger at Fifty Shades of Pink. It's all about vaginal health. I uh, also attended the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada meeting this week held here at the Weston Bayshore. And uh, had, uh, one of my colleagues, Dr. Anjali Malhotra, gave by all accounts a fabulous talk about sex in the age of Tinder. Hello, Dr. Malhotra. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank oh, you. Good. Now, your your talk was the the hit of the conference. <laughs> it was certainly, it drew a crowd. <laughs> it certainly did. Title alone. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so people would not think about uh, sex and sexually transmitted infections and all of the issues in this Tinder age in which we live? You know, it was an interesting title to draw a topic or, or draw an entire talk around um, because you kind of think, well, internet dating is something that we're very used to. Um, but what has changed in internet dating is, A, the demographics of use. So, yes, still a stronghold in usage of the 35 and under age group, but also extending into our 50-plus age group. So that was one thing. Mm -hmm. But also, it's changed the way it works. So we used to have these profiles, and we're happy with those. But those are actually small numbers in comparison to who's using apps for dating, where it's a picture, a little piece of information about someone, and do you like them or not, and there's the match. And in some counts, it's been shown that 15 or 20 minutes later after that match, you might be in bed with that person. Now, is that a problem? I wouldn't say that's a problem. Like if it's consensual and empowering at times and something that, you know, people want to take part in, great. That's totally fine. Most Tinder users are, in fact, not looking for a meaningful relationship, according to surveys. But where the problem lies is the condom use and the protection against sexually transmitted infections. And we're seeing with the increase in rising rates of usage in app dating, we're seeing a very similar rise in our national STI rates. And which are we seeing a drop in condom use as well? Well, we don't know if there's a true drop, but to get the STI, it means no condom at that stage. So it's hard not to draw that conclusion. Mm -hmm. um, we do know that questionnaires are done in certain circumstances, like Ontario's public health system does a great job of tracking such things, like where did you meet your partner and, you know, what were the circumstances? And it didn't show a very clear link to the fact that, okay, you have an anonymous partner and you're truly not going to use condoms for that partner. Mm -hmm. But we did see a very high rate of non-condom users having sex, whether it's with a monogamous or non-monogamous partner. And that's where the concern comes from. Is it easier to find a partner to have sex with and not use a condom with apps? Yes, of course it is. It's really the vehicle in which the user needed to get to the casual sex. And, and that's, again, totally fine. You know, it's a sexual revolution. Great. We've been through this every decade where, you know, those of us that are past that age group say, whoa, what's going on? And we don't understand it, but that doesn't mean that it's not the way of the future and a norm within a certain aspect of our culture, which is absolutely okay as long as it's consensual. But we need a little bit more education towards STIs in that certain circumstance. So it's interesting because we thought, well, is it access to condoms? Not really. They're usually free in many circumstances, even at bars, and oftentimes, you know, even at drugstores and things like that. So they're 
pretty accessible. Or is it that people don't know how to use them? Maybe some of them. But more importantly, it's actually the choice to use it. What goes with that choice? Well, it's a change in behavior. And there's a lot of things that can change behavior and health. You know, peers, support, your knowledge and beliefs, your cultural values, your momentary judgment, education be gone in the moment. So there's multiple factors that can lead to that happening. But what do we do next? That's the question. And, you know, I leave it to everyone to start to try to answer that one. Of how do we get to that point? We have excellent educational systems. We've implemented wonderful changes to sex ed to be more open and broad and educational and truly educational. We've tried to improve access. We've tried to improve access to a point where people can get tested easier, report easier. These are the things keep things more anonymous, less blame and guilt-free, more of a, a norm. But we still seem to have quite a ways to go when our STI rates jumped almost 93% in some provinces from one year to the next. Wow. Yeah. Now, there's another issue with uh, sexually transmitted infections in the age of Tinder, and that is notifying if you've been diagnosed Mm -hmm. with a uh, sexually transmitted infection. Actually trying to find these people again is an issue. Exactly. It is, because you you may not know very much about them. And when we see rates of anonymous partnerships coming forward, how are you supposed to tell anyone where that partner is or where to go? And that's really where the spread starts to become a true issue. If you can have one partner and tell another partner, it's easy, you know, problem solved. But if you can never find them or it takes you a very long time to find them, who knows how many other partners were inflicted? Or if Facebook prevents it from their confidentiality, their privacy and confidentiality rules. Yeah. Yeah, there's multiple reasons for you not to be able to find that person, which include social media. So it can be friend or foe in this circumstance. So how do we garner it on our side? That's, That's a tough one. Now, do we start to say, please Tinder and please Facebook, which are the easiest ways of finding someone to, you know, have a checkbox of whether someone's recently been tested. Like, that would be a great thing. Um, or, and hopefully true. And, and um, is, are, are Tinder or Facebook interested in that? Has any... You know, not so far, Maureen. Okay. <laughs> I know the question's been asked. <laughs> I'm certain it must have been asked. It was asked in the session as well that maybe we could start to find those kinds of ways because really the solution is, is you know, you got to work with the problem. Like, you got to find out how we can work in the same light as what people are listening to and following. And that's the most appropriate thing. That You don't want to start, you know, doing things that you learned 30 years ago on a population that won't understand or want to hear that. That's right. This is a new app idea for a computer exactly. engineer out there. Chlamydia or not. We're That's on it, right. Maureen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I get 10%, you get 10%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine by me. Um, so in the end, like, you know, it's not so much that anyone wants to shame anyone for having anonymous sex or anything along that lines or multiple partners. It's that we are concerned that, you know, people maybe don't understand the risks associated with STIs. We've done a great job of treating them and squashing them and saying, you know what, we can treat it, it'll be completely gone. Even as someone with an HIV diagnosis, very different from 1980 to 19, you know, to, from 2016. That's right. So there's a right. difference in treatment. You can lead a normal life with any STI that you encounter now. So has that changed the view of getting an STI? Yes, more than likely it has, of course. 
But there are still serious implications to something as simple as chlamydia if we were to talk about it in simplistic terms. Like, and it's it's not. It's it's not a simple disease. It's it's something that we have garnered as such, but it isn't truly not. It can lead to infertility, chronic pelvic pain, multiple issues in the pelvic organs. So it's something that no matter what, none of it's simple, even though it sort of seems like maybe we've gotten to that stage in treatment. That's right. And this is the next step in terms of education in the exactly. social media dating app world of yeah. Tinder, that exactly. uh, people don't think of the consequences, but this is... Uh, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, there you go. I'm trying. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're trying to do this. And, and also giving more education makes this less of a taboo, makes sex less of a taboo. We see in teenagers. So, you know, how do we, it's so complex and so complicated, but you do amazing work. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you've opened up this uh, conversation and, and all the doctors were talking about it at all of the dinners I went to one night. <laughs> Between Coast and Lupo and the Italian Kitchen, that's all they were talking about was social media in the age of Tinder, your presentation. So thank Thank you. you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. That was Dr. Anjali Malhotra. And Dr. Malhotra, are you still there? I am. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, is uh, what's the best yeah, way? I am by referral. I have a menopause and contraception clinic and general sexual health clinic at Olive Fertility. So you can be referred by your GP. Everyone's GP will have my contact info, and you're welcome to come. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Take care. Take care. You too. Great to talk Bye-bye. to you, as always. Uh, she's just an amazing uh, uh, woman in this in person medical doctor in this area of health, this women's health area. When I come back, I'm going to talk to you about some of the comments that I heard from some of the men in the women's health arena when I was at the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada. And also Matt is going to share his story of a Facebook person, woman. Plenty of fish, actually. Oh, sorry. Plenty of fish. That was uh, not the fish he thought he had caught. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Show the Sunday Night Sex Show. Thanks for staying here with me. If you're just joining me, welcome. Well, apparently, Matt, my board op, uh, got enough of uh, <laughs> some love. Matt, tell me your story about the woman you met on Plenty of Fish. Oh, this is actually my very first time going on to use a dating site. And this is this was a long, this was about eight, ten years ago when I was in Victoria. And I was talking to this girl. Um, she ended up, turns out she lived in the apartment building behind me, which was a little creepy. But I thought, well, this could just be, that. this is awesome. This could be the one. Or, yes, there could be f- magical fate. Go ahead. We yeah. set up a date. All I have to do is walk around the corner and meet her. I nearly walked past her because I didn't recognize her. <laughs> her hair was maybe five inches shorter, a different color. And I don't want to be rude, but she had put on her, – her photo had maybe 30 to 40 pounds more than real life. And it was – Her photo had – or she, she had was, more – She was bigger she than She was her, heavier, yeah. 30 to 40 pounds heavier yeah. than, the one, than her photo. Don't do that. And I <laughs> – I felt cheated. I mean, we hung out a couple times. I tried to be nice. And I mean, just recent, a couple months ago, I've, me and my girlfriend went different ways. And I've tried using apps again. And it was a quick, they're off my phone. Is that right? Well, just... I find that you just build yourself up and you see this photo. And I, I make myself want to like them so much. Mm-hmm. And it just never works. And right, it's just always, it, it always ends up in, I mean, maybe... 
you sleep with each other for a month or so and then move to the next. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot of people I've met on Tinder, they're always, they're still on Tinder when they're out with you. So, and I don't have time for that now. Right at the, <laughs> right at the moment. Oh yeah. On Tinder. I've caught people on a date on Tinder while they're with me who I met on Tinder. It, you know, it's addictive. Yeah. Right. And in honor of Tinder, thanks for sharing that story. I mean, it, I bet a lot of people are feeling like that, you know, um, it's very appealing initially, and then after you know a few uses, or I I don't know if you were around when I told the story about this woman who was late thirties and she put on um, one of the social media dating sites that she she was tired of men only looking for sex, and so she decided she would put. Um, that on her profile. So she said, you know, late 30s professional looking for sex. And she had 500 respondents immediately. And so she thought it was great. Uh, it was a brilliant idea. She was just flipping through, you know, at night she'd go through all of these profiles. And then she picked somebody and they got along really well. And, um, but then it's, as it turned out, he had, he was a young guy, like, you know, younger than one would expect with this erectile dysfunction issue. But he had something called Peroni's disease, which is a buildup of scar tissue and in the penis and he actually could not have sex so what are the chances of her picking a guy that was unable to have sex and he was not willing to actually get treatment for it so you know it's just uh it can be quite uh an incredible landscape out, out there but uh i don't know even just with these failures that i've had it just encourages me more to go out and meet somebody exactly and I don't know. I, I find that every year I get older, I'm really disliking my smartphone more and more. I just put it under a pillow when I get home. And, yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know. It's healthier to be connected with people and have relationships and, you know, um, it's so much, so much better, you know. Um, anyway, so what can you do? But maybe you've had trouble. But in honor of, um, uh, and if no one calls in, I'll send them home with you. <laughs> Uh, in honor of Tinder and the increasing rates of sexually transmitted infections, <laughs> I did pick up, I managed to scoff a whole bunch of extended pleasure, uh, Trojan, Canada's number one condom, and I, also some <laughs> Explore, just pure fun, water-based gel. I love when you always talk about extended pleasure, and last <laughs> week it was premature ejaculation. You're asking me how quick... It happened, and I happen to know, not because from experience. You and Scotty, Captain Scotty, both knew, you know, <laughs> less than a minute. Uh, anyway, then there's some Groove, which is another condom. So I have a whole box of condoms for uh, some lucky guy who wants to call in or, or a woman who wants to uh, keep make sure she's stocked up just in case that perfect person with a penis comes along. Also some... Uh, other, some other lu lubricant, some sensitive touch that's infused with aloe and vitamin E, some lube for that, and then bare skin. You know, uh, Lalo came out with a new uh, condom. Who's Char Lalo? Lalo is, uh, they have great sex toys, actually, uh, high-quality medical-grade silicone sex toys, and uh, it's called Hex, and it's apparently increases pleasure, it doesn't rip, these are the biggest complaints. Um and also, um, it's lighter, and uh, Charlie Sheen is the poster boy for... Or he's I've the... actually seen the ad for that, and I've seen someone stick a, their hand in the condom, and they claim it's completely unbreakable. So. Oh, yeah. So we'll yeah. see. Some new technology. We haven't had any new, te new technology since the 50s, I think, when they actually added the little reservoir to the tip of the condom. A lot of people don't know how to put a condom on, and don't be embarrassed. Uh, you know... Well, maybe you never have done that before, so don't be embarrassed. You can always learn how. 
I'm sure I have a video out there somewhere that demonstrates that. Um, I have to. I, I often show in the presentations that I do all over the place. So this is a little package if you want to call up. It also has, in addition to that, it, there's a little Trojan vibrator. It's a two-in-one vibrating ring and finger massager. So something for everybody here in this little package, and you can have all of it. Condoms are expensive, and there's 12. I think I have like 36 of them. So anyway, give me a call if you want to win that package, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Just a little blip in my life. As I mentioned, I write a blog at uh, Fifty Shades of Pink, and I just thought it was kind of funny that I had a patient, not funny that I had a patient that... um, this is not funny. I just had a patient who was 58 years old and she was getting married for the first time and she'd actually never had sex. It's a very small percentage of people who have never had sex, especially after the age of 44. So I uh, wrote this blog and I, I, you want to call blogs a catchy name. And, uh, and I couldn't think of anything. It was late at night and I just thought, I called it late in life virginity. And I thought nobody's going to want to read that. And it has had more views than any other um, any other um, uh, vlog. I mean, it had tons of views, like after two hours. Anyway, so have a, a look. Go to my blog, Fifty Shades of Pink. It's on my website, backtothebedroom.ca, and have a look at Late in Life Virginity or read Strategies to End Vanilla Sex. That's another one that I wrote. My little tips are buried deep within there. Um, so don't let the picture fool you. Um, but I did try to get uh, um, a better picture than a bowl of vanilla ice cream, but uh, they wouldn't let me anyway. Um, okay, so I have a couple of callers on the line. First, I have Mike. Hey, Mike. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Oh, pretty good. That's good. So were you calling about... Do you have a story for me? Uh, well, hmm. Better get away from the radio for a minute. Oh, echoing. Yeah, the, you say they are something new or a new uh, formulation? Well, heck, uh, Lalo has a new condom called Hex. I don't have those tonight. I have some condoms by Trojan. By Trojan, yeah. It's a pretty pretty dependable product, pretty safe product. I yes. Happened, happened to use them sometimes before and uh, was pretty, pretty uh, satisfied with the results. You're pretty satisfied with the results. Okay, well, would you like to win a box here? I would. Okay, yeah. fabulous. Leave your information with my board operator, and uh, we'll get those to you. You can pick them up here. And I have Dylan on the line. He's calling about the contest. Hello, Dylan. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. So you have a little comment about which contest, the Couples Vibe contest? Uh, no, uh, just a uh, Trojan one. Oh, yes. Different, yeah, the draw that you're giving out. Oh, yes. Did you want to win some condoms? Sure. Perfect. Did you want some lube with that, too? All right. All right. Well, you you leave your information as well with Matt, and we'll you can uh, come and pick those up here at the station. Okay. Thanks for your call. Thanks for listening to the show. All right. So uh, when I come back, I have uh, some questions. That uh, one is: Did you hear about the woman who orgasmed twenty times in twelve hours? I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980. I'm Maureen McGrath. I am hosting this show for you. I wanted to read an email that I received before I get into some of the subjects 
down under. Dear Maureen, I really appreciate your greatly needed acceptance of lifestyle choices and also the way you promote young people to be safe, yet explore themselves and not be ashamed of what they feel. I wish I had had that influence when I was learning what is right and that all the feelings that sat negatively throughout my young adulthood. You are doing a great service. Thank you very much. Um, You know, that's what it's about. We need to de-shroud sex. We need to, we need to take away the shroud that that sex is covered in. Anyway, the shame, deshroud the shame around sex. Anyway, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying the best I can. I'm going to be talking about uh, a new butt plug shortly, but uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about. Uh, Vaginal dryness in women, vaginal health, vaginal atrophy. Many women experience vaginal atrophy or vaginal dryness. It can occur after a woman is after a woman's had a baby, during pregnancy, when she's breastfeeding, postpartum, perimenopausal years, the years leading up to menopause, the menopausal time or postmenopausal. So about eighty percent of women can experience vaginal dryness or vaginal atrophy at any given time in their lifetime. So I was talking to a a gentleman this week at the conference where, that I attended, and he's in the business of women's health. And he said, you know, uh, vaginal health isn't really that important. Uh, you know, that's why it's hard to get this message out. And and he said, it's not a life or death situation. And I said, well, I, I disagree. Uh, vaginal dryness, <laughs> bear with me, okay? Vaginal dryness can lead to painful sex, which can lead to low sexual desire. Low sexual desire can lead to a sexless relationship or a sexless marriage. And people in sexless relationships or sexless marriages report feeling frustrated, unloved, undesired, and worst of all, they can also feel unattractive. And it's also confusing. Two people don't talk to each other. It can be thought that one is having an affair. But the worst of all is that people in sexless marriages can feel lonely. And loneliness is associated with increased vascular resistance. So your blood is not going to flow through your vessels, your blood vessels, as quickly as it should. And it can elevate your blood pressure and lead to early death. So people who are in sexless relationships and feel lonely are actually at greater risk of dying an early death than people who are obese or who consume excessive amounts of alcohol. So I begged to differ with this gentleman when I said, I think vaginal health is really important. And I really think that women should be leading the uh, force of women's health. It should be led by women, designed by women. It's for women. It should be about women. To that end, I've established a national organization. It's a not-for-profit organization called Women's Health Initiative Network. It is uh, registered here in British Columbia, but it is a national organization. We're going to increase awareness about women's health, mainly below the belt. So uterine health, fibroids, which are a big problem, very common for a lot of women, can cause problems with bladder health, may cause painful sex, can cause pelvic pain, can cause excessive bleeding, infection, Also, vaginal health is another focus. So vaginal dryness, vaginal atrophy, sexually transmitted infections. Contraception is another area that we're going to be focusing on as well, uh, in addition to um, other aspects of um, uh, women's health, pelvic pain, um, incontinence, 
urinary incontinence. There's a new device called Uresta. It's actually even relaunched, I should say. And um, that is for stress urinary incontinence for women. So really excited that uh, 30 women have actually purchased that company. And uh, we're set to raise awareness about that because so many women experience uh, bladder leakage. And I don't think pads are the answer. There are many other uh, ways to help. And so getting back to the vaginal dryness, it's important that you moisturize your vagina. In fact, it's just as important to moisturize your vagina as it is your face. It's more important to moisturize your vagina than your face because it actually works on the mucous membranes of your vagina. It's a whole bunch of bunk, all of the creams and everything that they're selling you with hyaluronic acid and vitamin E. It doesn't actually get absorbed into your skin, your largest organ, but it does get absorbed into your vagina and that will help to increase sexual sensation. So that's really important. So that's one thing I wanted to say. Secondly, I wanted to talk about the human papilloma virus and the human papilloma vaccines, HPV and HPV vaccines. The HPV vaccines protect against infection with HPV or the human papilloma virus, one of the most common sexually transmitted infections. The vaccines were developed to lower the risk of cervical cancer. They also may lower the risk of developing other HPV-related cancers, including some types of head and neck cancers, which you can see in men. HPV has been linked mainly to oropharyngeal cancer in the head and neck, but some research suggests it may be linked to other types of head and neck cancer, and that information is from the Lancet Oncology uh, peer-reviewed journal and a journal for clinicians. So researchers are trying to find out if HPV vaccines may help prevent head and neck cancers. So to that end, we... Um, although it's 10 years old and we've made lots of strides in helping to reduce cervical cancer rates in British Columbia in young women, we need to do more. We're discriminating against our boys because boys need to be vaccinated as well against the HPV virus because they are at risk for HPV and for some head and neck cancers. But at the moment, only girls born uh, from 1994 on actually have access or have, or, uh, have, this, have free access to the HPV vaccine. So just a decade after its introduction, the human papillomavirus vaccine is so effective, we can see now that it can potentially eradicate cervical cancer in the next few decades. And that was sung loud and clear at the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada meeting. But there are anti-vaccination groups that have, they're trying to dissuade parents from vaccinating their kids. There is indisputable scientific evidence from dozens of studies that the vaccine is not only safe, but prevents cervical cancer and precancerous lesions. And so this is really important. In British Columbia, though, we only vaccinate our girls. Um, We have three HPV vaccines that are approved for use in Canada, and two are recommended by the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, and they are Gardasil and Cervarix. Both protect against infection from the HPV strains that cause 75% of the cases of cervical cancer. 80% of anal cancers, as well as cancers of the penis, the vagina, the vulva, the mouth, and the throat. So these vaccines are really important um, in in reduction of cervical cancer rates, mouth cancer rates, penile cancer rates. And also, uh, HPV is... uh, 
causes most most cases of genital warts in males and females. But in British Columbia, the vaccine is provided free to girls in grade six. So those who were born in 1994 or later and miss getting it also qualify for free. Uh, to get this vaccine free. But other provinces provide the vaccine free to boys, but British Columbia doesn't. So hopefully with under this Women's Health Initiative Network, this is also something that uh, we're going to be working on and getting access to this vaccine for our boys as well, because boys must, in British Columbia at the moment, they must declare that they are at increased risk of infection because of preference for same-sex activities. Well, you know what? A boy who's uh, a young boy may not actually know his preference um, for sexual activity at, at such a young age. So it's also provided free to males age 9 to 26 who are HIV positive and some age groups who are in foster care or some boys who are incarcerated. So the cost of this vaccine is 300 to $450. It's a series of three injections. And it's, you know, it may not be covered by the government or private insurance plans. So some boys may choose not to get it because they can't afford it. It's, it's thought that this policy in British Columbia is puzzling because a lot of children, number one, as I said, a lot of children are uncertain about whether they will have same-sex partners or not. So that's really not fair. It's inequitable. And... It, you know, it is believed, and I believe, that the vaccine should be provided for all, regardless of gender. So this is something, dads out there, uh, it's it's really important that you get become educated about these vaccines for boys and girls, um, in particular for boys, because uh, if they don't qualify, they are at greater risks for genital warts and certain cancers. It, it, we can't have health care only for those who can afford it. So this is just something uh, today, and I think as healthcare professionals, we need to actually um, counteract those anti-vaxxer zombies, for lack of a better word, who are skeptical about science and mistrust the pharmaceutical companies. And, and you know, there's so many celebrities and pop culture icons that uh, believe in this dubious naturopathic remedies and other magical potions, and they have actually played an overblown role, excuse me, in vaccine hesitancy or, you know, that lack of uptake for these vaccines. So physicians, healthcare professionals, nurses, we need to educate and and counter uh, these anti-vaccinating, I'm sure I'm going to offend a lot of people out there, but the anti-vaxxer people out there who, uh, you know, are potentially placing children at risk a a little bit later in life. And also people who find themselves single at a later age, you may consider and speak to your doctor about the HPV vaccine as well. It's been studied in um, women up to the age of mid-40s, so it's something definitely to talk to your doctor about because the ramifications of HPV uh, and cancers of the cervix and penis and mouth and neck and throat are are not something that you want to... uh, Uh, experience at all. And if we can prevent it, we need to do that. So uh, thank you very much for that second rant, listening to my second rant of the night. When I come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about this subject we call sex. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on CKNW News Talk 980. 
It's always a pleasure to host this show for you. I am passionate about evidence-informed and appropriate sex education for you and anyone who'll listen. Uh, it's, it's really, sex is really related to health, and until we understand that fully, I don't think we'll ever be able to be the sexual beings that, or reach our sexual potential. Uh, I think we need to become comfortable with this subject, and talking about it is one great way, but doing it is another good way, too. So hopefully you're doing that out there. You know, I hear about a lot of couples who actually uh, lie in bed together and listen to the Sunday Night Sex Show. So a special hello to uh, somebody who disclosed that this week. Uh, I know you're listening out there. Uh, which is kind of nice, though. Who better to listen to this sex show with than your partner? Um, or maybe you might be listening to it with somebody you shouldn't be with. Oh, well, that's not good. But that happens, you know. That happens a lot. <laughs> um, anyway, hopefully you're with somebody and you're consenting adults and you're respectful and things are going well. Um, so we're going to go just a little lower here. We're going to get down to a subject that not a lot of people talk about or dare to talk about, but I will. What the heck? I'm a nurse. I'm a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, so I get to talk about all this stuff. Um, it's Sex is just such an important aspect of who you are and your sexuality and your sexual self-esteem. And, um, and, you know, you may have been in a relationship for a while. You may want to shake things up a little bit, try something new. So... My question is, will butt plugs ever go mainstream? The timing certainly seems right. Harvard has a course on anal sex. Anal has been everywhere. People are talking about it. The New York Magazine ran a piece on butt play um, and also included some of the other gentler activities like rimming and, and, and fingering, which are becoming far more common. So there's a company out there that wants to make their anal toy part of the mainstream. But save for that lone strap-on, toys haven't really entered the mainstream anal conversation. And so this company, which was founded by a sex educator, why didn't I do that? <laughs> Her name is Alicia Sinclair, and she has a new company called B-Vibe, and she's offering an innovative take on anal pleasure and betting that a combination of high-quality toys, which might mean expensive, but it also means high, uh, good-quality material that they're made of, and anal education will put them in the position to be the apple of butt sex. So if they're able to ride this uh, recent wave of anal excitement, to make butt plugs as common as vibrators, they'll be doing a great service to anyone considering to take in the booty. Uh, they, butt plugs might be the most underrated sex toy out there. They're more commonly seen as a gag than an essential erotic item, and, but they're a pretty important part of uh, people who enjoy anal sex together in their toolkit because a lot of people are afraid of, or of uh, anal sex, we'll get to oral sex next week, are afraid of anal sex. They're overwhelmed by the amount of warm-up required um, 
for anal sex. So the butt plug allows you to set it and forget it, essentially. Uh, you know, it allows this particular toy and, and anal plugs in general uh, relax your anal sphincter while you occupy yourself with other matters. So it's, uh, they're, you know, it's a, uh, a therapeutic tool, shall I say. It will help to relax things and physically uh, for you and make anal sex more comfortable. They're also great for those who want the experience of double penetration. So that's something else to think about. So, or, or, you know, especially without the hassle of wrangling with a third party. Uh, so also it provides a certain sensation. And if you're not into anal sex, you can just utilize this butt plug. So anyway, B-Vibe, check it out. It's just something new that's out there in addition to the new condoms. Hex by Lalo. When I come back, we're going to wrap this baby up. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 AM. I am Maureen McGrath. We are wrapping up the second hour of the Sunday Night Sex Show. I did get an email uh, from a woman who said that she and her partner, her male partner, she had had actually 20 orgasms, and her male partner had five in 12 hours time over a period of 12 hours. (laughs) A lot of you probably find that unbelievable (laughs) out there. A lot of you would like to have one orgasm or one session of sex or one hour of sex, never mind 12. I imagine, I'm just going to guess that these two people are married (laughs) to other people. That's just a guess, an educated guess of mine. Um, that they were holed up perhaps in a hotel, perhaps they met at a trade conference or something. (laughs) Definitely not at the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada, no, no. Um, But perhaps they met at a trade show, lots of loving goes on there. Uh, I bet that he is not having sex with his wife, uh, and I bet that perhaps she has a higher than normal sex drive, and uh, perhaps her needs are not being met at home either. Uh, that's just a, a bit of a guess of mine, but um, for anybody to engage in that much sex, I don't think they've been married for 20 years, or even three for that matter. But uh, experiencing orgasm is vital, and it's it too is a health issue. It can release endorphins that will help to calm you, help you to sleep, improve your mood, and uh, generally help you feel better about yourself. So probably this woman worked out at the gym, eats a nutritious diet (laughs) of leafy green vegetables and high protein, low carbs. So she probably feels great about her body. She likely wears lingerie uh, to make her feel good all under. I'm just speculating. When you get an email like this, what do you, um, you know, what beyond just the, that's fantastic, good for you. Uh, you know, I, I sort of think a little bit deeper and uh, think about the conditions that perhaps lead up to that. But then again, I'm a sexpert here with a radio show. So uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you tonight. Um, as always, next week, we're probably going to cover a little bit about 
oral sex. Just go a little bit higher next week. And and some other subjects as well. Some of the bad sex trends I'm going to talk about next week also. Uh, you can always go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. If you need any vaginal moisturization, any there's so many products that are available out there. There is Zestica, there is Gynotroph, there is Joygel, there is Repigyne. Uh, if you have trouble finding it, email me, sextalk at cknw.com. I will lead you in the right direction to find those ladies. It's also, um, you know, it's important. And, and a lot of men actually will email me because they know this is an issue with their partners or their wives, the, the women in their lives, and they don't want to inflict pain on anybody. So um, there, there, are, there are treatments for your vaginal dryness, also your erectile dysfunction. There are treatments for that too. There are conservative measures. There's, there's sonic wave therapy. You don't have to take medications, which cause a lot of side effects. Probably addressing that next week as well. You can go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. You can check out my blog, 50 Shades of Pink. Uh, where I, tomorrow's blog I'm going to write about, which is a true story. The patient said to me, I looked all over for his penis and I couldn't find it anywhere. (laughs) She was a little old. (laughs) Anyway, great to be with you. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Teach your children well when you stumble on the Scrabble Road of Life. Make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.